Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. So I've gotten a lot of requests in uh, through my Instagram about talking about more relationship issues. And this is a, this is a huge thing because... In the first responder and military community, obviously, we have relationships. A lot of us are married. Some of us are not. We have strained relationships with friends. We have strained relationships with boyfriends, girlfriends, uh, wives, and husbands. Inevitably, that crosses over to our children. Um, so I decided I'm just going to go ahead and address some of this, and it might be a little uncomfortable. And uh, I think there's going to be, I don't know, I think there's going to be a lot of truth to it. And I think the reason. You know, I talked about parenting with post-traumatic stress. That was my very first episode. But how do we, how do we make, um, how do we make sense of how we are to our spouses? And it, the answer to that is very simple. You don't make sense. They just learn to deal with how we are, and that unfortunately is the bad part and it's kind of not fair because you know a lot of times they get hit with this shit later on they don't really see the uh the onset of it coming a lot of times they just have to deal with it after the fact um so let's say you were you were involved in an incident before you and your spouse met it never became a problem and then years later it started surfacing and now your spouse is in it with you they don't know how to deal with it you don't know how to communicate to them and before you know it, your relationship is now headed into a new direction and it is not a good direction. But neither of you, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not lightning fast. It just becomes normal over time. Then you slowly have to start justifying your behavior over the years. Well, why am I like this? Why am I like that? And what you do is we make excuses, right? Because we don't want to really say or address the truth. It's always hard admitting I'm the fucking problem. I experienced this, I experienced that, and I'm taking it out on everybody around me for this reason or that reason versus just saying, you know what? You did this to set me off. They did this to set me off. And we start pointing the finger outward and not point it inward as much. On this episode, I want to talk about how uh, not feeling... um, like you're ever good enough in a relationship coming from, I guess this could reach outside of uh, the emergency services and military as well, but how never feeling good enough is probably one of the most empty, lonely 
feelings a human can ever have. And in our business, we strive to take care of people, right? So it's hard for us. We always want to take care of other people. And it's it's called, uh, I think that love language thing is not like I'm sitting here reading the book, but I've heard about it. It's called acts of service, right? We do things. We like that appreciation. It's not that, it's not that we need constant attaboys and constant pats on the back. But the problem is when you're in a relationship and you go for so long doing so much for everybody around you and you never get that, it's kind of troubling. You know, you just, you feel that lack of appreciation and that is, that's damaging to anybody. I don't care who you are. When you just feel underappreciated and it's a constant feeling, it's not just every once in a while, over time, over these relationships that we end up destroying, um, notice I said we, because we are the responsible parties for destroying it, because nine times out of ten, the other party didn't even know what the fuck they were signing up for. So, we do have to carry that weight. But I can show you, like, and talk to you a little bit about what I see through people I know, through my own experiences, how lack of appreciation is a big one, and it, it'll it'll crush, it'll crush anything. Um... Have you ever, if you're listening, have you ever, you ever felt like a monster in your relationship? Like, not that you've ever intentionally set out to destroy anybody, not that you ever intentionally set out to make anybody's life worse, right? You never had that goal, but have you ever just sat and reflected like, man, I feel bad because I've ruined somebody else's life, somebody that I care so deeply for, and now it's affecting the people that we brought into this world. Have you ever felt like that? And I'd be willing to bet a lot of you are shaking your heads right now, especially in the first responder community. We didn't get in this job because we're monsters. Got in this job to help people, but along the way somewhere, our brains got rewired and we got fucked up and we didn't know how to get the help that we desperately needed and deserved. And we ended up making other people pay for that. It's a very lonely and isolating feeling when your family comes home and you're in the house and you feel like they don't even acknowledge your presence anymore because you've done so much damage over over time they don't really want to be around you um it's uh not necessarily as much the children because children always love their parents they they love seeing them but i think it's more from the, the spousal point where you just become ships passing each other in the harbor kind of thing where there is no communication there is if it's tv time it's one person's on the other end of the room on their phone and the others on the other side on their phone quasi watching tv there is no common interest between you two in outside activities other than just raising your kids are any of you experiencing that i bet a big bet a good bit are and this isn't necessarily so much about just first responders, like I say, I think this, this goes outside of, outside of that. I have a shit ton of notes here that I've written down. Um, and I'm gonna try to make sense. I'm gonna try to weave all this together, but it's, it's pretty, it's pretty tough. I just, I really wanted to get into talking about the relationship struggles that a lot of us go through and how it plays into our own mental health. See, the issue is at the end of the day, if you're not happy, you can't make anybody happy around you. I do. I don't care how much you try. And even when you are happy, when you do find what you think makes you happy, 
If you're involved with someone, there's a chance, and there's a very, very good chance, that that happiness is going to be short-lived. Because at some point, you're going to start feeling resentment from that other person. You see, when we're damaged, and even when we make it out of that, that, uh, that very, very dark place that we've been, over that period of time where you were clawing and fighting your way out and climbing out of this, this dark hole, trying to, to create your own light, if you will, trying to find your happiness, nine times out of ten in doing so, you were digging and helping create a dark hole for the person who was there supporting you. Because, not, not intentionally, but you were doing that unintentionally because of the way that you were, the things that you were experiencing, the feelings that you were feeling. When we become isolated and we feel so lonely, what do we start doing? We start isolating ourselves away from the people that care about us. And in turn, they don't know how to react to that. So they start isolating themselves away from us. And what happens between you? Distance. Distance sets in. And over the time, over over the time, over over time, there's no more communication. There's no more that um I guess it's that old Tom Cruise movie, Top Gun, you've lost that love and feeling creeps in, right? And before you know it, you just become two strangers who are now in a relationship. And I don't know what advice to give somebody when it comes down to that. Because I know how hard that struggle is. I know how hard it is to juggle a family. I know how hard it is to juggle let me put on my happiest face today, even though I am in one of the darkest places I've ever been, and try to make everybody else happy when they come home. And then the second they walk in the door, you're met with a feeling of resentment. You're met with a feeling of um, unappreciation. And it's not even, maybe maybe that's not even true. Maybe that's just how you view it, because I can speak from experience I know my presence alone has been off-putting. And I know a lot of you are the same way. Your spouse probably had a wonderful day. And then they come home. They don't know what they're walking into. So they're coming home just kind of like, ah, fuck, I'm going to get what I get today. And you're already trying to protect yourself against that too. Well, let's see if I can make them happy. I'm going to get what I get. And then instantly you see each other and it's just like, eh. It kind of is what it is. And then that becomes normal and it just sets in over time. Have you ever, have you ever had that feeling like you're just better off alone than in a relationship? And what I mean by that is it's not that you don't want to make a spouse happy or, uh, or your significant other happy. You try everything you can. But you constantly feel like you're failing. No matter even when you do things that you think are good. And you make the right decisions for your family. You just feel like it's not enough. Or you get resentment from the other party. And that is what I'm talking about. You feel like your presence alone brings people down. And so you start having those those questions like, why am I here? Why am I putting my family through this? And I can tell you from a, um, not trying to get too dark on this episode, 
But some of the darkest thoughts that we have comes from that right there. It doesn't come from the things that we've seen. It doesn't come from wanting to escape the nightmares, the dreams. It doesn't come from the survivor's guilt. A lot of the darkest thoughts we have will come from not feeling that element of support from the one person that's supposed to be the closest to you. And it is the most lonely and devastating feeling a person can go through. And I know a lot of you understand exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. I think one of the hardest things in a relationship, especially, and like I say, again, even outside of emergency services and military, I don't live my life in the rearview mirror. I quit doing that. Um, you know, you can't help to have some thoughts from the past or whatnot, but I try not to stay there long at all. Um, I try to constantly be looking forward and thinking about the future more so than the past. Um, and I think a huge part of what gets us is you can't get on the same page because of your past, because of things that have happened in the past. I think sometimes either one or both people, if they're living too far in the past and they're worrying about everything that happened versus what's coming, your days are numbered. <clears throat> now, I'm no, I'm no fucking relationship therapist. I'm nobody to give relationship advice because I will promise you I am not the person that has all the answers for this shit. But I w when I was sitting around thinking, I was reading the messages that were coming through, I couldn't, I couldn't help but to address this because I have experienced these things. And I know so many of us are either have experienced or are experiencing them. All you want to do is do the best that you can for the people that you love. And you just can't ever seem to do it. You just can't seem to ever be on top of that mountaintop with, with the, the family around you looking up at you cheering like, man, you did it. Mama, you did it. You're the hero. Daddy, you're the hero. It's more or less like almost everybody's looking down at you. You get that feeling like, when are you going to get your shit together? And it's not that your shit's not even together. You're trying everything you can. You're doing everything you can to be the best provider, protector um, that you can for your family. And no matter what you do, it's not good enough. And that brings me back to not being on the same page because of past differences. I know, I know in my personal experiences, and I've talked about this in my book, I talk about it uh, very openly that I've ruined relationships with friends. Okay. Because of things that I've said, and it's the way that I was. Um, I was half cocked all the time, ready to go off on people because I wasn't in a good place. I was fucked up. Not making an excuse for it. I own my shit. I'm not, I don't play that victim card bullshit. Um, I've done a lot of damage to a lot of people. And I think that's part of, part of growing is accepting that, acknowledging that, trying to make that right, which I've done. Um, but some people don't want to let go. And uh, that, may relate you may a lot of you may relate to that and what i mean by letting go is it's not just friends that won't let go it's spouses it's it's loved ones in your family um on both sides of your family some people just can't let go of things and that's what drags inevitably a happy relationship right into the fucking grave and it, and it covers you up with dirt and that's where it dies um 
give you a hypothetical scenario. If you are with your spouse and you're the, uh, you're the person with the issues and things around you are affecting you and nobody really understands it from a mental health standpoint and you lose control and you say some things that are probably not what most people are used to hearing. And you quite honestly, you just speak the truth. And most people aren't, aren't, aren't accustomed to that. Most people are accustomed to hearing soft, soft bullshit. And, uh, most people aren't used to confrontation. And when something's not right, they just avoid it. But people like us, it's not what we do. You stand up for what's right. You say what's right, but you're just not good at protecting people's feelings in the process when you speak. And that does a lot of damage. Your words hurt, your words cut, and people don't forget that. People don't move on from that. And uh, when you when you're in a social setting and you say something or say a lot of things, it affects your spouse too because your spouse is friends with these people. And then now your spouse has to pick a side. Well, fuck. I got friends and then I got my spouse. What do I do? It's hard to play both sides of the fence. I wouldn't want to be in that position. But unfortunately, because the way that we are, we put our spouses in that position, not intentionally, unintentionally. And that does a lot of damage. That resentment will set in. I promise you I've done it. And I've unfortunately, I've done it too many times. Um, been a long time since I've done it, but nonetheless, I have made that mistake. I've tried to get better at biting my tongue. Look, there's at the end of the day, what is it? I'm going to, I'm going to bite somebody's head off because I know they're fucked up and I'm right about something, but what's that going to do? Inevitably, it's just going to crush a relationship. It's an ego thing. It's well, I'm going to, I'm going to put you in your place and I'm going to show you and I'm going to teach you a lesson. That's and what lesson did you teach that you're an asshole, that you're going to burn this fucking bridge down. And now for the rest of your life, your, your spouse is going to be without that friend and there she or he is going to resent you for it. And you spend, you end up spending your lifetime trying to make up for everything you've done in the past and you'll never make up for that. So in the mental health game, that's why I always say get in front of the eight ball. Don't be behind it. I've, I've played, I've played from behind the eight ball for a long time. And I know what that's like. I know what it's like to constantly be chasing approval. I know what it's like to constantly be chasing. Hey, I'm a good person. I'm a good man. And it's not a good place. It's a very lonely fucking place. And the only reason I'm opening up and talking a little bit about this is because of messages I've received. And it's because I know a lot of you get it. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hopefully open your fucking eyes a little bit. And I just went blank. You know, I mean, this stuff is, it's, it's hard to talk about, man. It's, um, What do you do when you're, um, how many of you guys are in a relationship and, um, you, you don't feel like the relationship really exists anymore other than just on paper, put your fucking hands down. Stop raising your hands. You're driving down a road or something. I know. Stop raising your hands. That happens every time you ask somebody a question. They're on the, on the other end of audio and they're raising their hands. Right. Um, and when is it time, you know, I had a question the other day, when is it time to, uh, to 
the last episode, someone wanted to know, when is it time to talk to your kids about your issues? And I, I didn't have the answer for that. And you have to listen to the last episode for my response to that. But also, when is it time to really have the conversation like, hey, this is what what's going on? What is this relationship going to do? Is it productive or is it counterproductive to the growth of the children? Right. And only you and your spouse can make that determination. Do you want your kids seeing you growing up in a, a fruitless relationship or do you want them to see their parents happy? No matter if that's by themselves or with someone else, you got to ask yourself, what, what would you want your parents, your kids to see? And my answer would be, I'd want my children to see both of their parents at the happiest point of their lives for their entire lives. You know, nobody wants to see their parents sad. We all can look back into our parents' relationships. And I know as a kid, I can see I can see very vividly things in my parents' relationship. And it's not my business putting my parents' relationship out here, whether it's great or bad or anything. But we remember that as children. We remember our, our parents growing up. And we remember how, how their relationship was. And I think that affects you. And I don't want to have a negative effect on my children. I know that. I know nobody does. Um, so... I think moving forward in a relationship, we gotta we gotta think about that. You know, one one crazy thing was when I was a twenty seven year old single police officer. I had no children. I would get dispatched to calls nightly for domestic disputes, and I would always arrive at these situations, and I would always ask people, "Why are you even married?" And the number one answer, and you think, what do you think the number one answer was? We're in it for the kids. And as a single police officer, this was always my advice. And I had no parenting experience. I had no marriage experience. And I would always give them the inevitable. You shouldn't stay in a relationship for the children. How many of you guys have heard that? Put your fucking hands down. How many of you guys have heard that though? Seriously. You shouldn't just stay in a relationship because of the kids. But then as you grow up, you get married, you get in that situation. And now you're in a, you're in a situation where Damn, am I in it for the kids? Am I just staying for the kids? So you got to ask yourself that. What is your overall goal for your family and their well-being? This all can be traced back to the mental wealth episode. What is the best decision for your family's mental wealth? Like I said, I'm definitely no relationship expert. This is me spitballing. This is me... Um, Pulling from past experiences, present experiences. This is me just being transparent with you guys to an extent. I think um, every part of relationship should be private. I don't think you should ever put too much of your business in the street. But this is also a podcast designed to help people uh, like us. So I think utilizing the resources that I have, some of the connections I have, some of the relationships I have with other people... Um, speaking about these things and being able to pull these um, scenarios and these ideas, I think it's very important to be able to discuss this as a community. Um, you don't need to fire off your your baggage to me in a message. You don't need to uh, send me DMs um, telling me about your personal experiences in, in your home. Um, that's not what this is designed for. I'm not trying to extract that from you. I think this is more of just a thought provoking, 
uh, episode, like just to kind of make, if you're having these issues, maybe you have the best relationship in the world. And I hope you do. I think that's fucking fantastic. But if you don't, and many first responders and military highest divorce rate in the fucking world, um, they don't. And that's why I thought this was important to kind of speak on this a little bit. Now, if you have some advice on a future episode about this topic, shoot it to me. Let, let's, let's do that because I think that this is going to actually get the wheels turning for a lot of people. And I think this is a direction that we can head, um, head to head in a different direction, very healthy together. Um, I know this, I do know what, when you finally reach a point, when you're going through, through the things that we go through and you reach a point and you realize, look, I'm the problem. What can I do to better myself? What can I do to stop making my problems, everybody else's problems? And boom, now you're on the path to righteousness. My friend, you are on the path to discovering your true value, your true self, your purpose, all of that. When you stop playing a victim card and you start working on yourself. See, before I would point the finger. I'm like, fuck y'all. I ain't changing anything. I am who I am. You don't like it. Eat a bag of dicks. That's literally the mentality I had. And that was stupid. But when I realized after I grew up a little bit and I had to experience my darkest days, I realized I am the problem. Nobody else caused this. This is from a lifetime of service. This is from... Other stuff in my in my childhood that that um, created this, and it's up to me to fix it. It's up to me to adjust who the way that I think. Be able. It's up to me to adjust my behavior. It's up to me to adjust the way that I speak when I speak when things are um, when I'm provoked. All of that. Nobody controls me. I control me, and I have to be in control. So that's when I started working really hard on myself. Uh, and I still do. I still work very, very, very hard, very diligently on me. I work on every aspect of my life. But what is it? Maybe some of you guys do that too. But have you done so much damage that even at your best, even when you feel like, man, I have done it. I have completely, I'm not saying changed who you are to accommodate anybody because that's not what we do. We don't change who we are to accommodate other people. We change who we are because we want to be a better person. We change who we are to be the best version of ourself. I'm not going to change the Travis Howells that you hear talking now. I'm not going to change that so I can be your friend. And in five minutes, I'm not going to change who I am to be somebody else's friend. I'm going to be the fuck who I am 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if that's not enough for you, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. I'm going to be the best version of me. <clears throat> that's not enough for you. That's on you. I don't need your acceptance. I don't need Joe Blow's acceptance down the street. I just want to be happy. But I tell you what I do need and what you need. You do want the acceptance of your family. You do want the acceptance of the people that you care the most about. And again, when you've worked so hard and so diligently to gain that and you still feel like you're not there and like you, you'll never have that. That's that feeling I'm talking about. That's that lonely, empty feeling that brings on those dark thoughts that I've, that we, that we, that we, that we have. 
And unfortunately, it's because, and I said earlier in this episode, it's quite, quite possibly it's because we've done so much damage over the years that no, you're not going to be good enough because a lot of people can't get past the shit that you've done, the shit that you've said. It's words. I'm telling you right now, words hurt more than anything in the world. You can't take that shit back. So think twice before you speak sometimes. How many of you guys are in, in uh, girls are in relationships where you desperately, you desperately want to include your spouse, but your spouse has zero interest in the things that you you do, and that's twofold. Now you got to have interest in what they do, but this is a strictly one one sided point of view episode. I can't I can't speak about the other side. And a lot of you can't speak for the other side. We, we only get to speak and see it from our side. Even, you know, we can try to understand from the other side, but this is me talking about the experiences and the, and the point of view from someone who is, who has been fucked up. Right. <clears throat> How many of you guys have tried to include a spouse or a loved one or even a friend shit in the things that you do? And there's just zero interest from that side. And what do you think that does over time? Over time, you just quit trying. Over time, I'm not saying you quit caring, but over time, you quit. You just quit. <laughs> and it's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll do it by myself. And then you you end up going back down that same lonely road to, well, I'm just by myself. I'm just doing this alone. And why do you think in our professions... That, um, I had a message. Why do you think the infidelity rate is so big in, in the emergency services? And, and I think, I think I know the answer is because when you get to that point where you're not getting appreciation from the people you want the appreciation from, someone comes along and shows you a little bit of appreciation. Someone flashes a smile at you, makes you feel like a normal human being again. And that's a feeling that, uh, you haven't had for, for a long time, you haven't had someone just make you feel normal because you felt so abnormal for so long. And I think that's that's where that happens. Um, I can't speak intelligently on it, but that was a question that was posed to me, and I sat back and I, and I gave it some serious thought. And I think that um, I think that merits. That's, I mean, because I think also too, I mean, I've had tons of friends who, who aren't in emergency services and I've heard people say that before. My husband doesn't show me any attention at home. My wife doesn't show me any attention at home. We're, we're human beings. You need that. You crave that. You want that attention. So it's not that you set out to, to, to hurt anybody, but you get the attention that you need somewhere else you kind of end up going that way and I think that's to answer that question I hope that does it some justice the other other question I received that I wanted to kind of hit on too I'm no financial guru I'm no financial expert I do enjoy being smart with money versus being dumb with money um, <laughs> so that plays a big part into it but they say one of the biggest things to ruin a, a, a relationship is, is finances. And that's one of the biggest arguments. So 
Are you and your spouse on the same page when it comes to finances? Probably not, especially if you are, um, if you're very different. And what I mean by that is, did you grow up pinching pennies, and did your spouse not grow up pinching pennies? I mean, that can, that right there can cause a conflict if you don't understand money the same way, or if you don't view it the same way. That's not to say you both don't respect it. But you both have a different understanding of how it works. One would understand that it's uh, it's not so readily available as opposed to the other, and it's it's just easier to just go buy something for somebody for one side than it is the other. And that's not saying either side is right or either side is wrong. That's not what I'm saying. There's just a different understanding, and you have to be able to get on the same page when you're dealing with finances. Um. I I think that that's normal in any relationship. I remember when I first got married, we joined bank accounts. And the first time, I'd al- I always had my own money. And the first time I looked at my bank account and I saw money missing, I flipped the fuck out. And I, oh, I had a phone call. And I believe I want to say my wife was at, at work that day. And I called and I was like, uh, I don't understand why, why is there a couple hundred dollars here or whatever it was, a hundred bucks or something that was, I remember it was for makeup and I could not wrap my head around that for anything. And that takes, that takes adjusting. It takes getting used to that. And it's like, wait a minute, we have a combined account now. Um, I just wasn't used to logging into my shit and seeing somebody else. I felt like somebody stuck their hand in my pocket, man, you know? And so as you, as you grow and you don't keep an open line of communication or an understanding of the finances. Yeah, there could be troubles. Um, I'm sure many of you have had much, much larger troubles than that. I mean, I've, I know people that have had, um, spousal gambling problems and it's, you know, they look in their account and all their fucking money's gone. And so, I mean, I'm glad it was just kind of makeup thing. Um, I know a lot of, a lot of, a lot of households, one person runs the finances because it's easier that way. Um, some households, both people are just as involved. You know, whatever works for you works for you. But I think finances can certainly break a family's back, um, especially when you're working so diligently to get your family to a more prosperous place so you can have, uh, I guess, uh, a little more freedom later in life. And then when the spending is keeping you from doing that, you can see how that would cause problems. And then on top of that, we bring all that emotional baggage that we bring into a relationship. You bring all of your baggage from work, from these traumas and shit like that into a relationship. It's a recipe for disaster. That's why it's so hard in our professions. And, you know, Mercy services is because we bring so much baggage into a relationship. It's it's difficult, and those outside, man, that that they they have their own baggage, but we just bring so much more that it's just honestly quite it's overwhelming. And I think another thing is we oftentimes are just too different to understand one another. I've spoken about this on episodes like when, you know, firefighters and and cops and fucking military people, we don't really hang around a lot of, a lot of bankers and shit like that. 
Um, I'm not saying that we don't have those associates or, or associations with people or we don't know people that do those, not putting those professions down. But I'm just saying we tend to be around people we relate to for a reason. Um, that's why cops date cops. That's why firemen date cops. That's why cops that date cops always end up dating firemen because firemen are better. You know, I mean, just saying that that's a proven fact. <laughs> that's why a lot of military date military and it's hard to date outside of those and to be in a relationship with someone who's never served in a capacity that we've served in because we view the world differently. We view finances differently. We view relationships and love differently. Like our, the whole thing is just different. So we're constantly, constantly at each other. Then you got to deal with the in-laws, man. I got the in-laws question and it's like, what do you do? You know, the old, uh, those old jokes about the in-laws. There's some there's some truth to that. There's a reason why comedians do fucking jokes about their fucking in-laws. Not everybody gets along with their in-laws, but there's and there's differences, but the in-laws only see what they see, right? They don't I guess they if if your spouse or your your significant other talks to them about the, your most intimate details and your most inter, intimate conversations, perhaps they know a little bit more than they should. I don't know. But as a father of two daughters I'm gonna tell you right now if my daughter were married to a dude like me I would I would resent it but I'd appreciate it at the same time right because I know I'm a good man I know I'm a good dude I know I'm a fierce fucking protector lover provider for my family but I know I'm missing a certain element too I know I know that I'm not the most um I can't say caring but I can't, I, I, I'm not the, the, uh, the softest individual, let's say. I'm not the most easiest person to talk to. I'm not the guy that you can just come and cry on the shoulder guy because I don't have that anymore. That side of me is gone. And it's, I'm, a lot of us are like that. It's hard to bring your emotions to a guy or a girl like me who has been there, done that, seen it. We're drained of it. And that's the sad part. I would want my daughter to be able to go to her husband and be able to have a conversation with him and and be vulnerable with him, you know? And I feel like I have, um, I don't, I don't provide that. I've tried to be better about that. And I know a lot of us are like that, but sometimes I think your spouse doesn't feel comfortable coming to you because you are hardened. And this isn't me bragging. That's not me like, hey, look, I'm this hard motherfucker. Look, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be so hard that I don't. I don't have compassion. But again, not cast in blame. I'm very honest about what I went, the things I went through, and what it did to me. And I try to work on that. Yesterday, this is. I, I'm not making this up. Yesterday, my daughters were playing karate. And the oldest one kicked the youngest one right in the gut. I mean, fucking money shot. Bam! And the little one fell on the floor, hit her ass right on the hard tile floor and started crying. I just stood there and I looked at her. And I was like, when are you going to get up and stop feeling sorry for yourself? When are you going to stop crying? And mama went over there to check on her. And I wanted to say, no, don't. That was the hard part of me. 
but I kept my mouth shut. This is me doing constant maintenance. See, I'm doing maintenance when nobody even understands. When people don't even know I'm doing maintenance, I'm doing maintenance. So I let mom do her thing. And I stood there for a minute after mom was finished. And I watched my daughter crying. I felt sorry for her. I hate seeing her cry. But I also need her to see that you can get up, walk that shit off, and stop crying. And as I was standing there thinking that, I said, there's nothing wrong with me going over, bending down and checking on her. And so that's what I did. I went over and bent down and checked on her, gave her a kiss, told her I loved her. And she started laughing. But what I didn't want to do is trying to teach her in that moment too. And I actually told her this. I said, look, you're scaring yourself right now. I'm sure it hurts, but you're making it hurt a lot worse than what it does. You're freaking out. You're scaring yourself. I don't know if that's the right parenting move. I don't know if it's the wrong parenting move. I know a lot of us parent differently. Some of you would scoop them up before they even hit the ground. I let my kids hit the ground. I like to see, if honestly, if they're going to bounce or not and then kind of like go from there. I like to let my kids have their natural reaction. I don't want them to freak out because I, I freak out. I don't want them to see me scared. And I learned that in my days of the emergency services. We do a lot of scary shit, but your patient doesn't need to see that. They don't need to see the fear in your eyes. They don't need to see that you're afraid. They don't need to see that you're scared. So we hide that. It's not that I don't care. It's not that my daughter falling down didn't bother me because it does. I'm just not good at showing it, but I'm working on that. I'm getting better at that. And I think that we become so hardened that we are impossible to be in relationships with. I don't know. I'm not. Um, I was going to say, I don't know if I did this relationship podcast any justice, but we can always build on this, right? This is always something we can come back to. And like I say, I don't. I got to put this out there. I'm going to go ahead and say this. Um, I like being here. I like being, you know, a guy that you guys can bounce things off of. But you got to understand, I've had a lot of shit in my life too, just like many of you have. So it's hard for me when you just come at me. I get a lot of messages and I appreciate them. I'm so thankful of every one of you. So don't take this the wrong way. I get a lot of messages with people dumping stuff in my inbox that I'm not prepared for. Right. I'll open a message and it's, Hey man, I was on a call with three dead babies. Uh, and this was this and this, and I'm like, Holy fuck. You got to think when you hit me with that, it, sometimes it takes me back to calls I was on and it's hard for me to really respond. I, I try to respond to every single one of you. And I'm going to give you a scenario yesterday. I, I caught wind of, a of someone who was upset with me, who said that, Somebody I've never met, by the way, doesn't it doesn't matter because I mean I guess it does matter, but this person made a comment and said, I contacted Travis and told him about my deepest, darkest feelings, stuff that I'd never told anybody, and his only reply back to me was two sentences. I think that this PTSD thing for him is bullshit. And I read that and I just sat back and I was like Motherfucker, I responded to you. If it were bullshit, I wouldn't have even responded. Do you ever think about what whatever what you dumped on me? How that affected me? I'm not a counselor. I'm not a professional therapist. It's hard. I relive a lot of this shit every time I speak it, every time you guys message me with it. I want you to message me. I want you to feel comfortable 
with me. I'm, I'm proud that you felt that, that sense of comfort that you could come to me and tell me that, but don't be upset with my reply. Look at the perspective, I fucking replied. It's hard. I get a lot of messages. It's hard to reply to every single person, every single time they come through. And I try to do it in an, in, a, in an expeditious manner because I want you to know I do care. I do. I want you to know I appreciate each and every one of you, but sometimes it's a little much and it's, it's, I got to take the shit that I have every day and then take some of that hard stuff that, that gets dumped on my plate. And I got to be careful because what if I say something that triggers you and you go do harm to yourself? That's on me. That's if I do something that I say something that is not appropriate, the, uh, and I think it's appropriate, but you take it the wrong way. Cause this is in a text. This isn't in a fucking phone conversation. Texts are taken wrong all the time, or this is in a message. What if that fucks your day up and you in turn go fuck somebody else's day up, man? I don't want that on my plate. So Try to understand when I respond back to you, if it's not a novel, it's not that I don't give a shit. It's not that I don't care because I do. I'm very passionate about this shit. Just got to understand it's a lot. So normally I wouldn't take the time to even explain that, but that was, that was weighing on me yesterday a little bit. And, uh, I, th- I felt like I need to get that out there. And I want you guys to understand. I ask for you to message me. I ask, that's where this content comes from. It comes from you, but you got to. You got to be careful how you deliver some, man. The fucking, some of y'all's delivery is like fucking, hey, um, just shot a guy in the face yesterday and then uh, ate his dog. And then I, uh, then I went around back and had sex with a blow up doll. Um, and that hot dog cart story you told made me go fucking buy a hot dog. And then I went to your, uh, a fucking van and tried a mobile glory hole. And I ended up... Um, not having any customers. So I went and shot three more people and then, uh, then I hung myself. What do you think I should do with that? Like, do you, do you think I need help? Like, fuck yeah, you need help. Motherfucker. <laughs> Sorry. That was clearly an impromptu story, but you get what I'm saying? Like when I just open an inbox and it's like, bam, it's hard. If there's a takeaway from this, please, please understand this. You are good enough. You are good enough. You're not going to make everybody happy all the time. It's impossible. It's impossible to make people love you. It's impossible to have everybody's approval in your world. But know this. If you're doing the best that you can every single day, you're giving it 110. What more could you ask for? If you're giving your family everything you got, and at the end of the day, you leave it all on the table. That's all you can do. Hopefully, if you if you if you have an issue in a relationship, I hope that it works out for you. I hope that, but you shouldn't have to force that shit. You shouldn't have to convince somebody you're good enough. You shouldn't have to beg them that you're worth. You don't have to. I should say you shouldn't have to convince somebody that you're worth keeping around. You you know what I mean? Like don't. Get rid of those feelings. All you can do is do the things that make you happy and keep doing good by your people. You are deserving. You're a good dude. You're a good lady. Whoever you are out there listening, you need to understand that. Know that. Take that shit and run with it. Go 
keep being the best you that you can be. And if you if you have any doubt if you're not the best you, right now is the time to look in the mirror. If you're driving, if you're on the treadmill, get off, go look in the mirror and ask yourself, why am I not the best version of myself right now? What's stopping me? What's holding me back? Am I the problem? I fucking guarantee it. You are the problem. You are why you're not the best version of you. Nobody else. And only you can change that. You can't wait around for somebody else to come and wave a magic wand to make you the best version. Get to work. It's a journey, but it's one worth living. And it's one worth having. There's going to be highs. There's going to be lows. There's going to be heartache. There's going to be hurt. You're going to disappoint a lot of people. But you're also, at the end, hopefully going to not only make yourself proud, you'll make, you'll make a, other, a bunch of other people proud. There's, there's people dependent on you, especially if you have little kids. They're dependent on you to be the best version of you humanly possible. They're going to see what you can accomplish, and God forbid they ever have to go through the shit that you've been through. You're going to be the blueprint for them on how to get out of that. Travis Howes ain't going to be the blueprint. They're not going to, 20, 30 years from now, turn back to episode 14 of Create Your Own Light and be like, all right, I'm going to put this shit together because this is what Travis said. No, they're going to look to their mother. They're going to look to their father because you're the goddamn example. Don't be a shitty example. It starts and it ends with you. So go be the best version of yourself. Hope that helped. Thank y'all for the support. Love y'all.